All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. America and happy Thursday. So much going on in the world today. Uh, a lot of news last night. In fact, uh, my head is still spinning from so many of the breaking headlines that happened in a small period of time, including the release of many of the documents, though not all of them, from the Jeffrey Epstein civil lawsuit involving Virginia Jeffrey and others. Uh, a lot of names in there. Bill Clinton, perhaps most often mentioned, a reference in the testimony from one of the young women that was involved in the Epstein world that Bill Clinton liked them young. Speaking of young girls or young women that he preferred to be acquainted with in the presence of Jeffrey Epstein, apparently. There are no bombshells. I think most people knew Bill Clinton had this long relationship with him and it's untoward and it is what it is. But a lot of names came up. A lot of allegations came up. Donald Trump came up once, but you know what Donald Trump came up in? Uh, Apparently, Jeffrey Epstein was landing in Atlantic City. He wanted to take some downtime. If he's in Atlantic City, say hi to Donald Trump. A pretty innocuous reference to President Trump there. President Clinton, a little bit more detailed mentions all throughout the documents. And I suspect there'll be more documents uh, released in the next few days. And so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Our team here at Justin News has you covered all the way. Now, we're going to spend the majority of today talking about two very important subjects. One, impeachment. The Mayorkas impeachment, the Joe Biden impeachment, what it means. And the top of the show, we've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. I had a good long conversation Amanda and I did last night with her. We're going to adapt that for the podcast at the top of the show. Then we're going to turn to an increasingly unstable Middle East, which is in danger of spiraling into a larger war and potentially having some of the violence spill onto our soil here, American soil. Why? Well, Al-Qaeda is resurgent. You've seen them stories we've done at Justin News that Al-Qaeda is resurgent. It restarted its magazine that had been out of circulation since Donald Trump took office. It's talking about attacking New York. It flashes signs of pictures of the subways and airplanes, calls for bombers. That is one reason to be concerned. Two, Hezbollah, the real pros of the Islamist terrorist world. Yeah, they're even more capable than Iran, certainly more capable than Hamas and some of the other groups, Al-Qaeda, they are the pros' pros when it comes to terrorism. Again, I'm not trying to glorify them, but they are the most capable. They're talking about getting active. That's always been something that the FBI has worried about for a long time. And then, of course, you've got Hamas in the conflict. You've got the Red Sea, the Houthis. All of this has unfolded in a region that was remarkably stable when Donald Trump turned over the keys to the White House to Joe Biden. Why is that? Well, during the Donald Trump years, we had the Abraham Accords. The Sunni Arab neighbors began becoming closer with Israel. That took the temperature down. Two, Iran was starved of cash through sanctions. It wasn't allowed to sell oil. It wasn't allowed to move banking. Its monies were seized. And Iran's bank account was down to nothing. It was barely, the mullahs could barely pay for this, the basics. Joe Biden took that lid off. And that brought an enormous amount of cash flow to Iran. And when Iran has cash, it puts it into terrorism operations like Hamas's October 7th heinous attack against humanity on Israel. 
as well as what the Houthis are doing in the Red Sea, terrorizing cargo ships, and what the Islamic State and others are doing in Iraq and in Lebanon and other places attacking U.S. troops in Syria. Joe Biden opened the cork on that bottle. And what you see in the contrast, we had a very hard line against terrorism and extremism in the Middle East during the Trump years, and things quieted down. When they didn't, people like General Soleimani got whacked, got knocked off. And Iran paid a dear price because that was one of their favorite guys, one of their favorite terrorists. Joe Biden tried a different tact. Hey, I want to go back to the nuclear deal, Barack Obama. I want to go back to being a nice guy. I'll appease Iran because I think they'll be a better behaved adult this time. And the answer is no, they're not. They moved themselves closer to a nuclear weapon, very close to that. They have refunded all of the activities in the Middle East that create this instability and violence. Hamas, uh, ISIS, Islamic State, Al Qaeda, they have some connections there. All of that is a deeply concerning. And of course, the other thing Joe Biden did in impeachment is he took the Houthis off the terrorism list. And ha, they've been behaving real well since that, right? They've been the primary cause of terrorism in the Red Sea, attacking the cargo ships and the seriously threatening commerce and inflationary increase across the globe, something we don't need, right? The economy is still dealing with inflation from earlier pressures. This would make it much more significant to address all of this, this instability in the world. We have Robert Greenway. He's a former assistant to President Trump, uh, one of the great national security thinkers in our country. He's currently the director of the Center for National Defense at Heritage. He is a true and well-thought security expert. He has the architecture for the policies that worked and the analysis for those that are failing under Joe Biden. We're going to spend the second half of the show looking at that because I think there's a growing concern that something's going to happen on our soil. I don't want to see that. I pray to God it doesn't happen. But Joe Biden has put the ingredients in, inflamed the Middle East, created new cash flow for Iran, and left the border open so that people can sneak in and do whatever it is they want to do heinously here on our soil. That is why. And so you're going to have that. And I think there's one point I want you to think about when you're listening to Robert Greenway, because he is a very measured, smart national security expert and someone likely to be in government in the years ahead. Again, appeasement doesn't work. Appeasement leads to violence. Appeasement leads to instability when you're dealing with bad guys like Iran. But appeasement could also ultimately come to take on enormous toll on the American economy. Because if this keeps up, if the trend lines keep up in the Middle East and there is a larger global conflict in the Middle East and the commerce begins to shut down, because here's what the shippers are going to do. They're just going to avoid the Middle East. They're going to avoid the Middle East because it isn't worth the risk to their crews, to their ships, to their cargo. The lost causes, insurance isn't going to cover them. If that happens, inflation is going to go through the roof again. All of this will be at the foot and doorstep of Joe Biden and his policymakers, the the folks that currently surround him, whether it's Anthony Blinken in the State Department or uh, his national security team inside the White House, Jake Sullivan among them, the architect of so much of the appeasement of Iran. So the economy is going to take a toll. Terrorism could take a toll, and I pray to God it doesn't, but it could on our side, certainly elsewhere. And the military is going to have to go into action. And of course, they're already suffering casualties from the heinous attacks that Iran-backed proxies have launched against U.S. troops around the globe. It's a very volatile, difficult situation, and I really hope you pay good attention to Robert Goodman. He is really a remarkable expert and well-thought, and I think he understands what works because he implemented it and what's failed because he's watched it unfold, and he's warned against it before it happened. I'm really, really excited about that opportunity in the next hour. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't. You'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Now, with Margaret Taylor Green, I want to get to one big story we broke last night. Let me first get through a couple more breaking news headlines because a lot happened yesterday, and it's all very consequential. This isn't light news. This is really important stuff. First off, ISIS, we were just talking about all the instability. They're taking responsibility for that bombing that at the memorial for General Soleimani's gravesite that killed 84 people in Iran. That's going to set Iran and ISIS on a course of conflict. Not a good situation, I don't think. I mentioned the Epstein release of documents. Terrible shooting today in Iowa at a high school in Perry County. Multiple gunshot victims. The shooter is dead, but a lot to be concerned about. Another tragic school shooting, how many of those we've seen over the years. And again, a reminder that mental illness is a very important factor influencing so many of these. There's an incredible piece of video footage you should watch where a criminal attacks a judge in Las Vegas after she denies him probation. Really dramatic court violence, something worth seeing. In Florida, I want to point this out because there is a lot going on with COVID-19 vaccines. And I think the debate is reignited. And those who've raised concerns are getting more and more data to back their claims. The Florida Surgeon General is urging healthcare providers in his home state of Florida, Ron DeSantis's home state, to pause usage of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. That's a very important story. Ben Whedon has that. Please take a look at that. I think you're going to see a whole lot more. And of course, yesterday, after we closed down our podcast here, overnight, Donald Trump asked the Supreme Court to take up the case in Colorado where he's been removed from the ballot by the Colorado Supreme Court. He also obviously has asked for an appeal on the main decision. I think Supreme Court is likely to get involved and make some decisions on this pretty soon. That's going to be a pretty momentous event. We talked yesterday about the border and the trip that Mike Johnson went down there. Today, there's a fun story on the site about residents in the Border Control Committee saying, enough with the shows and the press conferences, do something. Do something. And I think Marjorie Taylor Greene at the top of the show is going to talk about that. The other thing I want to talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene about, and I think you're going to enjoy this part of the conversation, there is growing pressure in Congress to get a piece of evidence that Congress has not yet sought. It's kind of remarkable, given what we know, that they haven't. But um, when you consider what Just the News has broken in the last six months, all of these are Just the News originals. Uh, we have confirmed that the, the FBI had FISA surveillance on one of Hunter Biden's Chinese business partners. That's Patrick Ho, the guy that went to prison for bribery from the Chinese conglomerate that involved CEFC Energy, right? You got him. We have confirmed that a second Chinese associate, a guy called Mr. Zhang, was present when foreign bribery payments were made by these Chinese officials. The government, the Justice Department presented that. Third, we know that a major bank reported to the U.S. Treasury Department that in 2017, a $5 million loan the Bidens got from a Chinese energy company smacked 
of a Beijing influence operation targeting Joe Biden. So the Bidens are surrounded by people involved in bribery under suffice surveillance and engaging in behavior that looks like influence peddling and foreign effort to influence a major political figure in America. You have to ask yourself, isn't it almost certain that the FBI or the CIA or the NSA or the DIA, somebody went to the Bidens and gave them what is known as a defensive briefing. By the way, that's what they did for Hillary Clinton a few times, as you know from my prior reporting. No one in the impeachment inquiry is focused on this. This is important, important stuff. It is almost impossible to think that the government would not have uh, warned Joe Biden that, hey, your family's in business with people that have got bad things going on. Stay away. Don't jeopardize your family or national security. And when I say it's almost certain, I've done a lot of interviews on this. And one of those is with my good friend, Kevin Brock, the former uh, assistant director for uh, intelligence at the FBI, a, a straight shooter. And this is what he said to me yesterday. I just want to read this for a little bit because I think it's such important. And you can go check this story out. Uh, on Adjusted News. It's getting a lot of attention today. Pressure grows in Congress to determine if Biden's got a defensive intelligence briefing on their China dealings. Um, Kevin Brock said uh, it is very clear uh, from the top that Joe Biden's intersections with his son's overseas businesses occurred in three different realities. One, when he was vice president, then when he was a private citizen, and third, when he was president. Each reality will determine the visibility of the type or necessity of a defensive briefing. Hunter Biden didn't consult with Canada or New Zealand, right? He picked money gushers in China and Russia and Ukraine and Romania, countries with hostile intelligence services that would jump at the chance to engage with an offspring of a U.S. vice president and a man who could be president and did become president. What do you think uh, we would do if a son of Putin or Xi came here to consult with Exxon or Apple? Joe Biden was briefed, all right? But his track record suggests his own interest came first, no matter the briefing. This is all Kevin Brock speaking. It's the former intelligence chief for the FBI saying Joe Biden had to be briefed. There's no chance he wasn't. And it looks like, despite those briefings, he uh, put his family's interest ahead of the national security interests of this country. And he said there were two areas where he thought Joe Biden likely got a briefing. One would have been with Burisma, given all the concerns about Burisma. The other would be in connection with China starting with his son going on a trip to uh, Beijing with uh, with the vice president and uh, cutting a deal with some investment people. And then later with the CFC China deal. Um, uh, remember, a bank also warned about the China deal look like an influence thing. Um, this is what he said uh, about um, Ukraine. And because it, it's important. Remember, Joe Biden got involved in that. He fired the prosecutor in Ukraine, even though that wasn't really his job. We know that Joe Biden went against official U.S. Obama administration policy when he threatened Ukraine with the loss of U.S. dollars if they didn't fire the prosecutor. That's Victor Shokin, the guy we talk about often here, uh, who's investigating his son Hunter's client company. It would defy logic that he wasn't at least offered a briefing on that policy and the ramifications of certain actions. But Joe Biden chose his son's interest over national policy. That's the FBI's former intelligence team, one of the, one of the top and most learned intelligence experts in the country. Um, that's why this is so important. And so we're going to talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene at the top. It is a, uh, you're, we're going to hear her response about whether the, uh, uh, James Comer, Jim Jordan, Jason Smith and others should go get these, find out. And here's why it's so important. It makes the impeachment story so much more simple. If Joe Biden got one or more defensive briefings and then allowed his family to cash in with these unsavory actors, it means that he chose enrichment of his family over the security of the country. That would be a very simple story to sell the American people. A lot more um, uh, simple than a whole bunch of Ukrainian names, a whole bunch of Chinese names, and this and that, and FISA and this. Hey, if he got a briefing and he let his family do it anyways, it means the U.S. government told him something was bad and he allowed it to happen anyways. That would be a really significant uh, piece of evidence. Uh, let's hear what Marjorie Taylor Greene has to say right after the commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages to talk to the congresswoman from Georgia, who often has such an, a big role in Congress, a big influence in Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right after these messages. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way 
to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org justnews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advice fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Georgia, she pressed for the last several months to get the right deal in place to create an impeachment yep. uh, proceeding against Mayorkas and to get more attention at the border, to make Republicans do what they said they were going to do when they ran in 2022 and won the election. We're lucky to be joined by the Congresswoman right now. Congresswoman, Happy New Year. Great to have you on the show. Congratulations for a very impactful day for your work. Thank you so much, John, and Happy New Year to Amanda and you, John, both of you and all your viewers. Yes, I'm very excited uh, to see my colleagues and the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, go to the border. And I was thrilled to finally get that date announced, January 10th, where we will begin uh, impeachment hearings on our Homeland Security Committee, a committee that I serve on of Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. This is well overdue, and most Americans are not really um, jumping up and down. They're actually saying it's about time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's about time because you made it about time. You really worked behind the scenes to get these things going and, and you deserve a lot of credit mm -hmm. there. I want to ask just real quickly about one thing. People look at this and say, OK, there's a negotiation going on with Joe Biden in the White House to get a border deal and you're impeaching Mayorkas. Aren't those uh, polar opposite things to be doing? And the answer, I think, is no. They actually complement each other. Could you just help for people who are confused by it to explain why it's a good strategy to pursue both at the same time? Absolutely. It's the right strategy, strategy, John. It's the same reason why I forced a vote on articles of impeachment and a privilege resolution uh, just last year at the end of the year. I forced that to happen because Congress needed to hear from the people. Congress needed to be put on record to show who supported it. And they needed to be told by the American people and their constituents that the right thing to do is impeach the Secretary of Homeland for failing the American people and absolutely breaking his oath to the American people to defend the United States of America and protect our border, which he absolutely has not. And we could go through the numbers and statistics, but we don't need to. People know the problem and they want something done about it. But it's the right thing to do to impeach him while we are pushing and holding the White House accountable for their absolute failure at the border. This is absolutely an invasion, John. It's treason. Mm -hmm. I keep calling it treason because that is absolutely what it is. And when I talk to my constituents and people across the country, they are literally saying that impeachment is a great start, but that we should be holding the Biden administration 
for treason. And that is such strong wording. It's unbelievable to hear people say that. And it's, it's I can't even believe that that's how I feel about it, too. Um, but we are going to have to push the White House while we impeach their secretary of Homeland because they failed America and everybody knows it. And this is why President Trump is winning at the numbers that he is winning in the primary. And this is why he's also beating Joe Biden poll after poll after poll, because President Trump had the best border policies and Americans felt safe when we had President Trump in the White House defending our southern border and working with Mexico with such strong, strong policies like remain in Mexico. And we have to push back on the White House and hold them accountable for their border policies that have created an invasion into America and the best business partnership with the Mexican cartels that we have ever seen that has enriched them by tens of billions of dollars <laughs> and created an absolute national security crisis in America. What a travesty. <laughs> Yeah, and increase their revenue, I think, 26-fold. It's been uh, incredible to see. Um, you know, ever since the Trump administration's border policies were re uh, repealed and Biden administration policies went into effect, it seems like every week, every month, every year, we're hitting these new devastating milestones regarding pounds of fentanyl, human trafficking, of course, the sheer numbers of illegal immigrants coming into this country. And every day, Republican voters are like, impeach him, impeach him, impeach him, uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Um, but I know that there was something strategic about the timing of this. This is something you've been working on behind the scenes for a very long time. Could you just kind of peel back the curtain for us and 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 walk us through why the timing for this right now is exactly right now? Well, it, um, just a couple months ago, there were two of my constituents from my district that were killed by a 17 year old that was trafficking illegal aliens into Texas. And they were these were innocent Americans that were killed in a horrific car wreck um, from this this young man smuggling illegals into the country. And I had had enough. I'd had enough of the absolute failure from our GOP conference, from our Republican led House of Representatives to do anything to hold anyone in the administration accountable. So I forced the vote on the House floor on articles of impeachment on Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Well, eight of my Republican colleagues joined the Democrats and defended Mayorkas and voted against impeaching him. And that outraged people all over the country and put pressure on Congress to do something about it. So the following week, I came back and I reintroduced these articles of impeachment and a privilege resolution again to force another vote and to prove to my colleagues that I am serious about this. And the only reason I am so serious about it is because Americans are dying every single day, whether it's a car wreck by human smugglers or it's fentanyl overdoses or other illegal alien crime. And the American people should not be having to pay to house and feed and clothe um, and, and provide bus tickets and plane tickets for illegal aliens all over the country. And it's outrageous. Well, that led to some very direct um, uh, and serious conversations within my conference that were behind closed doors. And that's when I got a promise from the House Speaker, Mike Johnson, and a promise from Mark Green, our chairman of Homeland Security Committee that has done a great job in the investigation into all of the problems at the border. And they promised me that we will impeach Secretary Marikas uh, in January. And once I got that promise, that's when I pulled uh, my privilege resolution to force a vote on the House floor. And I told them I would work with them in order to impeach Secretary Marikas through the committee and that I also want to be an impeachment manager uh, when we take it to the Senate. Wow. Well, it proves sticking to your guns and negotiating can make a really good uh, outcome. Uh, Congressman, I want to turn to the other impeachment, Joe Biden. Over the last few days, we've had some pretty big stories at Justin News. There's FISA intercepts of some of Hunter Biden's uh, business partners. There was a bank saying, hey, uh, this looks like a, uh, an effort to influence Joe Biden, this Chinese money. And oh, there was clear evidence in the Justice Department's hands that one of his business partners was directly involved in a bribe, a name that we've heard a lot of times. We didn't know he was involved in the bribe. It seems to me there should have been intelligence uh, uh, briefings, defensive briefings to Joe Biden. Should Congress go and get the answer to that question? Should they get those briefings out there? Because knowing if the president continued to do things after being warned would be very important to the American people, I think. 
Absolutely. And you're 100% right, John. And we should be pursuing that inf information. If there was anything uh, uh, approached in the FISA court, if there was anything about, um, you know, re not registering as a foreign agent, we should be pursuing that information and we should be holding every single person accountable. That's what the American people want. They want accountability. They're sick and tired of hearing the news stories, reading all these stories, hearing you and Amanda tell about all the outrageous corruption that happens in Washington and then Republicans in Congress doing nothing about it. This is an important task that should be taken up on the Weaponization Committee chaired by Jim Jordan. I think that's the proper committee to handle this investigation. And I'll be urging my colleague, Jim Jordan, I'm sure he'll do a great job with it to pursue this. I'll also talk with my chairman, uh, Jamie Comer on the Oversight Committee, because if we can't do it on weaponization, I'm sure that Oversight can get it done. This is a strong committee and I serve on Oversight. We're doing the investigation into Joe Biden and the corruption and, and peddling of his power um, all to enrich his family. And, you know, I'll say that we are leading into impeachment in this new year of Secretary Mayorkas. But I think the American people could watch for an impeachment to come of the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Wow. Congresswoman, very quickly before we go, we got about 45 seconds left. I want to ask you about scheduling for oversight. Obviously, before the holidays, Hunter Biden was supposed to appear and he slipped over to the Senate steps and gave, gave a press conference as to why he wasn't going to do that. Uh, what are, what's the status of contempt charges and who do you have on the docket next to come and testify behind closed doors? Well, we're talking to Hunter Biden's business partners. We still have those interviews coming. Uh, we'll be bringing Tony Bobulinski in and others. Uh, but we also need to talk to one of our House colleagues, Eric Swalwell, who seemed very involved and probably broke federal law uh, with helping Hunter Biden uh, not obey his subpoena. So that's something I'll be following up on. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we've got a great interview with Robert Greenway, one of the country's most influential national security thinkers. We're going to talk about the world of flame, the Middle East and flame. But hey, before we go to commercial break, I just want to shout out my good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition in their Field of Greens product, which is part of my daily lifestyle. Now, I take a spoonful of the Field of Greens supplement every day, put it in a shake, put it on top of my salad. It is good stuff because it gives me all of the fruit and vegetable servings that I'm supposed to take that I never take because I'm too busy, right? Who's got time to go get the apple and the banana and cut up the carrots and uh, make up the salad? I just take a scoop of Field of Greens and I'm feeling good. And I started 2023 with a promise I was going to get healthier. I did. I lost about 40 pounds. I'm really excited about that. And I'm making my project this year to finish the job. I want to lose another 20, 30 pounds. I want to get healthier. I want to see my liver, my kidneys, my heart, all my organ functions go up. And things like blood sugars and cholesterol and blood pressure go down. And Field of Greens is a big part of that. Why? Because it not only tastes amazing, every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically chosen by doctors to support your vital organs, the ones I just talked about, hearts, lungs, kidneys, immune system. Let me get you started on the path I've been on because I have been ever so much healthier since I got involved with Field of Greens and began building it into my daily repertoire of eating. I usually just put it in a shake. Sometimes I'll put it in a fruit drink. Occasionally I'll, I'll sprinkle it on my vegetables or, or my dinner. But it's so simple, right? A single scoop and boom, you've got five servings of fruit and vegetables, the very type of servings you need to stay healthy, according to doctors. I want to get you started on that because this is like a minute of work a day to get a lifetime of better health. And I want you to do it with 15% off your first order. How are you going to do that? You're going to go visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreenspleural.com. Go check them out. They're good friends. They're great supporters of the show, great supporters of Just the News, and they will be great supporters of your journey to get healthier in 2024. Go check them out today. All right, folks, Robert Greenway next to talk about a world of flame, the Middle East hurtling towards a larger global conflict and their potential implications for terrorism and insecurity on U.S. soil. We'll cover that right after these messages. Hey folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews. And you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free 
app. I used to listen to all sorts of radio on my AM or FM radio. Today, I don't have time to be in the car that often. You know where I listen? I listen on the iHeartRadio app. It's awesome. And they have some really cool new features, unlike anything else in the market. One of them is called Talk Back Mic. Anytime I have something to say, I tap the mic and send my voice message and then listen to hear my voice on one of my favorite shows. Isn't that cool? You can send a message to your favorite disc jockey, your favorite podcast show host. So be sure to download the iHeart app radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart radio app. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As you've been seeing on Just the News over the last 24 or 48 hours, a lot of strife, a lot of violence, a lot of instability emerging in the Middle East, whether it's the Houthis attacking commercial ships in the Red Sea, whether it's ISIS, which today took credit for striking the Soleimani Memorial event in Iran, an unusual moment, I think, uh, between ISIS and Iran. Of course, several strikes in Iraq and elsewhere, Lebanon, taking out some major Hamas military and terrorist leaders. The world feels aflame, and it feels like the Middle East is starting to spiral into a dynamic that could eventually have some repercussions here on U.S. soil. I thought I'd bring in one of the country's great national security experts to help us make sense of all of it and get the the right context on all of these different changing alliances and changing strikes. Uh, Robert Greenway is the director of the Allison Center for National Security at the Heritage Foundation, truly one of the country's top national security experts. I'd like to welcome him to the program. Robert, great to have you on today. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. We love every time you come on, uh, whether it's the TV show or here, because you make sense of some very complicated dynamics. And I think right now people look at the Middle East and they see a drone attack here, a rocket attack here, troops getting injured here, Hamas leader taking out there. Like, what's going on? It just feels like everything is spiraling out of control. How unstable right now is the Middle East with everything going on? So it's a great question. And and look, the, the region is synonymous with uncertainty, uh, with uh, deteriorating, challenging security environment. But what's unique about the current circumstances and why I think your listeners and everyone is concerned about the current trajectory is the current U.S. administration has been dismantling the policies of its predecessors, President Trump, uh, which led to gener- the first uh, generational uh, peace agreement between Israel and its neighbors and uh, really confronted Iran as the principal threat to our and their stability and security as a result of pursuing policies of appeasement and spurning our partners and allies and isolating Israel. We've set conditions that inevitably lead to the chaos we're witnessing now. And the impact that's going to have on us, uh, whether we like it or not, is, and it already is having a disruption to global energy markets and supply chains because the region is home to 30% of the world's oil, 25% of the world's gas, and 25% of the world's shipping. And so this definitely matters to us, uh, and we are seeing the results of poor policy decisions in motion. Yeah, it really, it's amazing when you go from a very clear messaging on national security, which is, Iran, you've been bad for long enough, we're not taking it anymore, and there's a, a clear expectation. Ally and enemy has a very clear expectation what happens, 
and uh, Biden has had this sort of muddled message, which is, Iran, you're bad, but we might go back to the nuclear deal. Oh, we'll give you billions of dollars of oil sales. Oh, we might even freeze $6 billion. And the, the mixed messaging is actually really, the moment the mixed messaging began is when the instability and the acting out really seemed to escalate in a very big way. The big question people ask me on the street, I think it really two. One is, are we in danger of the Middle East becoming a wider conflict very soon, given all the different hotspots that are now around? Let me start with that one. Then I want to bring it closer to home. But how in danger are we of a wider Middle East war right now? Uh, very. It's largely in motion already. Uh, the only thing that hasn't happened is the additional fronts, in addition to the uh, Israeli clearing of Gaza and the destruction of Hamas after the, uh, the horrific attacks of October the 7th. Uh, if Hezbollah joins from, from Lebanon, if that conflict escalates, and it is, especially after Salah Ruri was struck in Beirut, and now that we've seen strikes uh, in uh, Herman in Iran by ISIS, I think the probability of escalation, and so not just 130-plus attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria and the same number in the Red Sea, I think we're already seeing regional escalation. It, it, unless something arrests that and does it quickly, and that would be a strike on Iranian forces in the region more generally to stop this cycle, it is likely going to lead to a regional conflict that is going to inevitably escalate. You have a great sense of intelligence. I know you worked at the DIA. You've been in so many important positions, including advising the president of the United States on national security. There is a dynamic that I didn't quite understand when yesterday the Biden administration said, hey, ISIS is behind this attack in Iran. Today, ISIS comes out and says it's behind the attack. But ISIS and Iran, have they been at conflict as much or is this a new sort of dynamic underway? ISIS uh, has attacked uh, Iran before. It has been some time. It hasn't done so at this scale since probably a military parade and demonstration in the southwest of Iran some four or five years ago. So it is not uncommon, it's not unprecedented, but it is rare. Um, and, uh, and certainly they are at odds. Now, uh, what, what is additionally complicated is the fact that at the same time, Iran hosts al-Qaeda's senior leader. Now, after the strike against al-Wahiri, Saif al-Adil, the de facto leader of al-Qaeda globally now resides and has for years in Iran. So it, it can seem complicated, but the easiest way to look at it is who has common cause and purpose with Iran as the largest state sponsor of terrorism. ISIS is among the few groups that actually does not have an accord with Tehran and is likely to conduct these sorts of attacks with large consequences on civilian populations, as we saw. Yeah. So al-Qaeda also seems reinvigorated. I think a lot of people said, oh, we kind of knocked al-Qaeda down, but the loss of Afghanistan as a strategic operating point for U.S. military, the flow of money now coming back in. Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula restarted its magazine, something that hasn't been around since before President Trump took office. They seem to be asserting themselves, too. They have an on and off relationship with Iran. They tend to be mostly al-Qaeda, mostly staffed by Sunnis, but they've always kind of played footsie with Iran. What's the dynamic and how concerned should we be that al-Qaeda, who we had on the ropes, seems to be reinvigorated? You know, that's exactly right. Both ISIS, uh, certainly in Afghanistan after the disastrous withdrawal, and al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, specifically Yemen, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly, and in Iraq and Syria are taking advantage of the chaos uh, and the lack of attention that they're being paid for by the United States and others. And uh, they're exploiting the chaos and the weakness that has been, uh, that has been, uh, that poor policies have led to in the Middle East and globally. We should be concerned about this, no question. Uh, we know the consequences of it if you take your eye off of it. And the open borders we have now is an invitation for them to insert operational capabilities in the United States. We should be under no illusion that that threat is very real and that it is probably a matter of time. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when they will exploit it and conduct attacks in the United States. And I think that each day goes by, we get closer to that, unfortunately. Yeah, we've given them a training and proving ground in Afghanistan and now an easy entryway into the United States. Not a good recipe. We learned that the hard way at 9-11. And it seems 23 years later, this administration has lost that lesson. One of the interesting things in the al-Qaeda messages that came out this past weekend was threats on uh, New York subways, uh, new 
bombings on airlines, and Al-Qaeda has always had the goal of carrying out what was known as the Bajinka plot. They never did. It was a predecessor to 9-11. They didn't carry it out. But the idea of four or five simultaneous bombs going off on airlines has always been a big concern in U.S. intelligence. The messaging that came out around Christmas from Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula seemed to really focus again on New York, on airlines, on subways. Why that focus now? Is it a head fake or is that maybe where the object of their target is? So I think uh, I think it is aspirational. I think they have always sought to encourage individuals to use the means available to sow chaos and confusion in their adversaries' ranks, the chief among them being the United States. And the, the, the resurrection of Inspire magazine you mentioned for the first time in many years is a harbinger of it. But I think we should also look, as I do, at the demonstrations we've seen in support of Hamas and in support of the Houthis in U.S. cities and on college campuses. That should be of grave concern to us all. If lone wolves and attacks are likely to come out. It's the populations we're seeing now on full display. And I think that they're sending us a message very deliberately that these individuals who are advocating for their cause are in fact the individuals that will be conducting or supporting attacks in the future. They are here now. And I think that's the message they very much want to send. Uh, That is a great point and a direct consequence of the last few years of policy. You mentioned that Yemen brings in the Red Sea, brings in the Houthis. We had them on a terror watch list. We had uh, shrunk their resources down and they were on the naughty list. And Joe Biden said, oh, they're not that bad. I'm going to take them off the list. And we've been paying the price ever since. How big is the threat of the Houthis to commerce in the Red Sea? And what is the likely solution that the West is going to have? I know there was a joint statement by several Western powers in the last few days, but it seems like the Houthis still haven't got the message that they're going to pay a price for whatever they're doing right now. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that this is part of the broader appeasement strategy to encourage Iran and the Houthis as surrogates and proxies to to behave if they're allowed access to resources. And we've actually turned our partners and allies uh, and put them on the sidelines. They were actively engaged with uh, limited support from the United States in addressing this terrorist threat, rightfully so. Uh, And we stopped them from doing so and in the attempts to get to a peace agreement. So just like the JCPOA, which we failed to achieve under this administration, they failed to achieve a meaningful peace agreement, but they're still trying. And now Iran has managed to effectively uh, field a, a surrogate force threatening yet another key global choke point for the transit of trade and energy, not just the Straits of Hormuz, now the Bab el-Mendeb in the Red Sea on its way into the Suez Canal. So it, it's, we're, all, we're all feeling the impact of this now. And the statement issued by you know, the United States and partners and allies is really just another stop or I'll say stop again. It's meaningless until it's supported by action. Yeah, there has to be a significant consequence or really it just feels like another threat without the teeth behind it. When I've talked to counterterrorism officials for the last 30 years, the true pros, the ones that U.S. counterintelligence officials are most concerned about is Hezbollah. They seem to be the premier terrorist organization. They've not picked a fight often with the United States, but they have been really... uh, Uh, rattling their sabers the last several weeks. Obviously, they find inspiration in the Hamas-Israel war. But uh, how real, How first off, how good is Hezbollah um, in the ranking of terrorists in terms of their operational capabilities? And is this a moment, uh, are we in a moment where Hezbollah could rear its head in a way that we haven't seen in America before? It's certainly possible, both uh, in the region and globally. Hezbollah is the most mature surrogate Uh, started shortly after the Iranian revolution. And in many ways, it is more capable than the Iranians themselves are. Uh, But at the same time, uh, Iran exercises direction, control, and influence uh, over the organization and external operations. There's also uh, a sense in which they're hesitant to sort of play that card and expose themselves to the retribution. But under the current circumstances, I think they, they judge, as Iran does, that there's very little disincentive, there's very little cost And so historically, we've seen uh, Hezbollah active in the United States and around the world, conducting assassinations, engaging in criminal activity. And I think we're very likely to see it again because they judge there are no consequences right now for their activities. Yeah, that is the most extraordinary part of this. (laughs) After all that we suffered in 9-11, after all we built up after 9-11, we've created a lack of consequence for terrorists for the first time in a very long time. And it is a head scratcher to most everyday Americans. The threat assessment on the ground here, obviously the FBI director said mid-December, blinking red lights everywhere. We see other people saying that TSA warning just the other day. Compared to the last decade, how high a threat assessment should Americans feel 
on U.S. soil right here, right now? So I think we should be uh, we should be very concerned, uh, if not alarmed, because the, the problem with the, the FBI director's statement, 100% accurate. Uh, the other issue is we've taken our eye off this ball. So the reality is it's probably almost certainly worse than we are able to see because we have distracted ourselves with other priorities. And we've convinced ourselves that it's not necessary. You know, we've rhetorically said Iran and surrogates are not a threat. Well, we followed through and we've taken our eye off of it. So it's probably worse. And the ability for us to be surprised as we and the Israelis were on October the 7th, that's a very real possibility. So we should be gravely concerned and we should be communicating that concern to our elected officials to take some concrete action. Yeah. And what is that concrete action? If you were advising President Biden right now, obviously you you had a pretty important uh, perch for a long time advising presidents. What is the action? Is, Is this the time where we really have to take a direct action against Iran to say, hey, you and your proxies? You're going to pay the price for every one of their actions, or is that something we're just not in the in the mood to do right now? Well, it's certain we're not. The administration has no appetite for it. Uh, my counsel would be, as it has been in the past, and we're, we just passed the anniversary of the strike on Qasem Soleimani, precisely for this purpose to restore deterrence and send the signal that Iran can't do this without uh, without cost. Uh, and that had the desired effect. And historically, it works. Domestically, we need to close the border and begin to prioritize the terrorist threat that's already here and start to remove that threat before it is able to conduct an attack. And we need to work with our partners and allies to do it. But make no mistake, we have unique capabilities and a unique requirement to assure and secure our own interests. And we should do so quickly before this problem becomes uh, more expensive to deal with and the cost of it becomes increasingly difficult. Yeah, particularly the personal cost. If we lose an American, that would be horrific. There is a border deal being negotiated behind closed doors in the Senate, in the House, how far-reaching should it be, and how far-reaching is it likely to be? Uh, that's a, a great question, and I don't think anyone knows the answer. Negotiations, I think, started far. I'm too- not sure the negotiators know even. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think, yeah, that's exactly right. I think the negotiations started way too late, but I guess we should be encouraged that it's happening. I think HR2, which in my judgment is the, is the basement, is the, the standard that should be pursued, passed by the House, my fear is that it's being seen as the start point of negotiations, and unfortunately, it should be built upon, not reduced. But I, but I suspect as a result of compromise in Washington often results in uh, a compromise solution that is less than desirable. And this is not the area where you can accept risk, but unfortunately, we are. So I think um, we should be um, glad that negotiations are underway, but we should probably not have high expectations for the outcome. I think a lot of people I'm talking to say, maybe we'll get HR2 light, which doesn't sound very good. Uh, HR2 light doesn't sound right. HR2 sounds good. HR2 light doesn't. It's border security light. It, how is that? Set? That's not attractive. That's not. No, it doesn't. It, uh, the half done security has never worked really well in the history of the world, let alone in the United States. I want to turn just real quickly to the Israel-Hamas war. There have been really significant advances by the Israeli military. It seems as though we're three to six months maybe from the reality that Hamas will have been eradicated from Israel. Handicap, what Israel still needs to do to get to that point of eradicating Hamas control so that a new government can come in? And then what are the potential dangers if they get distracted with a Hezbollah front or they get distracted from somewhere else? How does that change the dynamic for Israel to accomplish its objective? Right. Uh, so first, I think it's it's essential that they complete the task and destroy. There's no world in which they can live with or tolerate this threat as the attacks in October and preceding it uh, demonstrated. There's no way uh, that Hamas can continue as an organization uh, next to Israel or, or, or in any capacity. The second is that they've, they've been able to, I think, succeed, succeed on a number of different ways and exceed expectations in, a, 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 in executing a complex operation in a difficult environment with difficult circumstances. Uh, third, I think the real danger here is historically, this is where compromise is imposed on Israel. Uh, and I think that the pressure mounts every day, not just to return hostages, but also to identify a political management uh, enterprise after the destruction of Hamas is hopefully secured. And the compromises historically have set conditions for the next conflict. And that's exactly what happened in Gaza in 2005 to 2007, as we all know. And my fear is they could be forced to accept another compromise, and that just sets the conditions for another attack. It does. It'll be the cycle. And of course, those who've studied the history of terrorism and al-Qaeda, the Palestinian crisis has been the rallying and recruitment point for nearly every 
terrorist organization that has set its sights on either Israel or the United States. There would be an enormous disruption if Israel could create through its Arab, Sunni Arab neighbors, particularly a government that could work, that was effective, that didn't have terrorist intentions as its first instinct, because it would greatly diminish Iran's capabilities and its influence in the region. Are there any players at the table right now that could potentially put together an effective Palestinian government that doesn't have terrorist tendencies that actually could build an economy? Because that's one of the things that would make the change there. Do you see some players that could disrupt this? Because the, the greatest isolation to Iran would be if they didn't have a Palestinian crisis to, to pick at anymore. Well, that's true. Uh, but there's no shortage of other crises that they can exploit in Syria, Iraq and Yemen, for example, um, and Afghanistan. So you're right, though. And the short answer is I don't see now a generational shift in the leadership that I see in the population of the Palestinians that would get you to the point where you'd have a genuine negotiating partner. But I think that is inevitable. And that is a, a, a necessary uh, ingredient of future negotiations. But I do think the hope here is what we saw in the Abraham Accords and Israel's relationship with its neighbors, not just Egypt and Jordan, but with the other Gulf states. And I think that is where the hope is, or Israel in partnership with other Arab states can get to an amicable, productive solution and include uh, prosperity and peace for its own citizens and for the Palestinians. And I think that ultimately is the is the path that should be followed. It is the intent uh, we had in the Trump administration. It's why we emphasized it and concluded it. And our hope was that they would embrace it. And unfortunately, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. It was a missed opportunity. There was some reprochment at the end of summer. Looked like Israel Saudi Arabia might pick up where the Trump administration left off with a little bit of encouragement. And it does seem that that may have been one of the triggers for Iran and Hamas to carry out the October 7th attack. Iran really fears the rapprochement of Saudi Arabia and Israel and the continuation of the Abraham Accords, correct? They do, and they have good reason to do so um, because it obviously impedes their interest and influence. Um, I would say that the progress was, was being made before we transitioned to administrations. It was just a matter of time. But I do think, you know, as we warned them in our transition, we said, look, you don't, we didn't talk about the Abraham Accords. No one knew about them until they were concluded in every single instance, because all you do is increase the price negotiation, which happened with Saudi Arabia, and second, you expose yourself to this kind of risk. I also, I'm not entirely sure just how serious they were. Um, and ultimately, you can't pursue a policy of reconciliation between Israel and its Arab neighbors, and at the same time, appease Iran. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Those conflicting uh, policy objectives are are the direct result of what we're seeing now. That is such a great point. And it's been the Biden, or, or quite frankly, the Jake Sullivan way of trying to have cake and eat it too. And it never works in the, the Middle East. It's so fascinating. You guys proved that. And you actually showed what progress looked like. I mean, that's the most amazing thing. There were more progress under the Trump administration in the Middle East than any time in my lifetime. Uh, and all of it gets squandered away uh, remarkably so quickly. It's just it's mind boggling to even watch it. Um, what's your predictions for the next few weeks? What are the most important events we everyday Americans should be looking at to gauge what's going to happen in the Middle East? Right. So if the trend continues and we continue to accept attacks without imposing consequences, we lose control over the escalation. The the probability is it will continue to escalate, and the and it could happen far quicker. Uh, in successive motions. I would think to look towards the northern Israel border with Hezbollah uh, for signs of escalation. Uh, and I would look towards now Iraq and Syria for escalation resulting from the attack in Tehran. And if that happens, you'll see the global markets start to anticipate as they are now diverting shipping and you'll start to see commodity and, and energy prices climb and we'll, we'll feel the impact of this. But again, escalation could happen faster in successive motions than it started. So the next uh, dominoes to fall could happen in very quick succession, and it'd be very, very difficult to stop. Yeah, and our economy has had enough with inflation, but this could really be a significant inflationary factor uh, on top of all the other inflation we've endured. Uh, what a what a scary time. Robert, we're so lucky. All the great work you do. Folks, if you don't follow Robert on Twitter, you're making a big mistake because if you care about the world, he has one of the best Twitter accounts and one of the smartest assessments of what's going on. So please go check him out. I think it's at RC underscore Greenway, right? Yes, that's correct. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, we, we follow you all the time. You do great work. And um, 
Uh, it's uh, the, today's conversation really shows just the, the brilliance of the plans that you and your team in the Trump administration had put forth. We had such a more stable world than we do today. Robert, what a great honor to have you on. We'll be sure to get you on again soon because the world feels like it's uh, teetering towards a lot more chaos. Always a pleasure to be with you, John. Thanks very much. Great honor. Thank you very much. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to our guest today, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Obviously made a lot of news. You heard what she said about those defensive briefing documents, if they exist, and the importance of Congress to get them. But also, you heard what Robert Greenway had to say about the future of this country in national security and the destabilization of the world through a policy of appeasement instead of peace through strength. Two very powerful guests. A big thank you to them. And another big thank you to my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition who make the Field of Greens product that I use every day. They are amazing folks. And I want you to go take advantage of their offers. 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS to do that. Fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreensplural.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. You can get 15% off and you're going to start on a journey like I did a year ago to get healthy with the right amount of fruit and vegetable servings every day in a single scoop of powder. How cool is that? That's really awesome. All right, that wraps up today's edition. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon. Until then, God bless you and have a great night. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash Victor Tax Network USA.com slash Victor. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider.